On 5th February 1952, Britain's King George VI spent his afternoon shooting, a common pastime in England. Reports say he shot 50 hares and brought down a pigeon with a fine 100-foot wing shot. At 11 p.m. that night, Daniel Long, one of the king's servants, took a cup of cocoa to the king and found him in bed reading the Sportsman magazine. The following morning on the 6th, when the king was found dead in bed, the cocoa was yet undrunk. That morning, Princess Elizabeth and her husband Philip woke up to a fine Kenyan morning at the Treetops Hotel in Nyeri and leisurely watched the rhinos and the elephants gather for a drink at the watering hole beneath the balcony of their room atop a tree. They did a bit of fishing and later had lunch at the hotel, blissfully unaware that Elizabeth's life was about to change forever. They only learned of the news when a local journalist asked the princess's private secretary, Martin Charteris, whether it was true that the king had died. Suddenly, Princess Elizabeth became Britain's longest-serving queen. What she never knew until the day she died is that a young Kenyan boy had tried to kill her on the evening of the 5th of February, 1952, in a very unusual way. Welcome to Living Memories, the podcast by Alcags. These are a collection of stories told to me by Kenyans who are young adults in the 1930s, 40s and 50s. Once a week, we release a true story about an ordinary person who lived in the extraordinary times of our history. We hope it inspires you to reach out to Amze or a mama in your family or community. Listen to their stories and we hope you write them down. If you do and you want us to tell them here, send me an email at hello@alkags.me. Today, we hear Said Olanga Ongwen as he confesses to having made an attempt on the young princess's life. This story was told to me by the 90-year-old Said in 2008 and is here narrated by my friend Ogutu Moraya, the renowned award-winning actor, writer and theater maker whose work is embedded in the practice of orator. In 1952 I was able to get back at the British. It was my one and only chance and I had every intention of taking it. My father and three brothers had died in their hands back in Kisumu years before when I was a baby. The people in our village in Kendube had been warned many times not to go to Kisumu because there were strange white people who had sticks that spat fire. My father, Juma Olaga Ongwen, was known to be a reckless person in the village. In general, two of his wives he stole with his charm and slept with them before ensuring 
that he had to marry them despite their family's disapproval. Perhaps his carefree behavior was because he was a fairly wealthy man in his time. His crops did well, he had many cows and goats and other animals, and he lacked little. In that year, I estimate around 1924, he woke up very early and woke his homestead up. To their horror, he informed them that he had decided to go to Kisumu for a couple of days because he wanted to see for himself this rumored white man. He promised that he would bring his wife something interesting when he returned. No amount of pleading would make him change his mind. Kikifi, Olaga, Kikifi, no. He had made up his mind, so his sons resolved that they would follow him. There were no cars in those days, and our people did not ride on anything. The journey on foot took several days. My brother followed at a distance, so that my father would not see them and send them back. They waited until he had launched his boat a fair distance on Lake Namlolwe, Lake Ukerewe, now of course known as Lake Victoria. Once he had launched, they launched theirs on the lake later that evening. When they got to the other shore, they stuck to the cover for bushes to hide from him. It was not until they reached Kisumu that they made their presence known to him. And the legend goes that he was quite pleased with them. Presently, they were stopped by a white man who spoke a strange tongue. He looked funny and was dressed funny. Everything about him was funny fun. My father was an arrogant man because he burst out laughing at the white man's attire and his funny manner of speech. Both he and my brothers were dressed in loinskin. I am told that the more the Muzungu went red on his face, the more my father laughed at him. <laughs> hey. Hey, eventually, the Muzungu got angry. I say eventually, but I don't believe it was more than a few seconds, maybe minutes. The white man and his friends descended on my father and brother with sticks and stones in that Kisumu street. Although my father is said to have fought valiantly, he was beaten quite severely and killed. My brothers lived through it and were told to take their father's carcass. Eh. They may not have understood the English, but the tone was clear. This riled up Obongo and Oma so much. Huh? What does this man think of us? They were so furious they started to fight and got a bullet each for their troubles. It was left for my immediate older brother Otieno, then a gangly 17-year-old boy, to arrange for their bodies transportation back to Kendube, where they were to be buried according to our customs. It was also left to him to inherit Obongo's wife, who was several years older than senior. And our uncle Dwar inherited my mother and I. 
I grew up with my uncle. He was a ruthless man. It was not uncommon for him to beat his wives and children on a whim within months. Hey, he had wilted. My family's fortunes away and we were destitute. Then he threw my mother and I out of his compound. <laughs> my father's compound. The kucho wagaka. Go away from here, he said. Wagaka ikelo na hau marajka. Kanikelo ni wadu amoni. Go away. You're bringing me bad luck. Just like you did, my late brother. At 15, I was a bitter young man. I left Kendube for Kisumu to find work. I had never been to school, but I was a fast learner and quite intelligent. I was also very handsome. I found work for the first day. Kisumu was a kitchen boy for, for a muzungu called Wilkins. I was given the job by his cook, an old Ukuyu man called Njeru, who had come with the muzungu from the highlands. Njeru taught me everything I now know. How to read and write, how to respectfully say yes ma'am, sir, no, yes buana, to everything I was ordered to do by the muzungu. He also told me how the Mubeberu had taken people's land how our people had been made to live in reserves like herds of animals and how we had to wait until it was our turn to make the muzungu pay. After I had learned how to prepare the white man's food properly, I was made his traveling cook. Yawato Wilkins traveled a lot from Mombasa to Kisumu, selling weapons to the white people he met. He also loved to hunt. One night, when he was out hunting in the plains of Narok, where the Maasai lived, a lion got the better of him. He was killed. His companion, a rough hunter called Twiny. <laughs> I don't know what kind of a name was that, Twiny. He took me to Nyeri and told me to wait for him that he would take me back to Kisumu a few days later. I waited. Twiny never came back. Meanwhile, I was made to work for one ceiling and 50 cent as a kitchen boy in the Treetops Hotel. Then, a two-room construction on top of a tree with a few small buildings on the ground around it. Hey, Marco, Marco, in February 1952, we were assembled in the kitchen and told that the most important visitor ever was coming to the treetops and we were to be on our very best behavior. New uniforms were given to us and we were to be extra careful. Ah, the visitor. Hey, at that time, the hotel had been extended to four rooms on top of the tree. The important visitor she turned out to be a young white nyako. This young white girl had many other white people who seemed to be her servants. That evening, when we were making dinner, I was instructed to take the meat to the tent where she and the others sat overlooking the slopes. As I passed a dark area, I found the opportunity 
my own small way to get back at the white man I served so well, even as I distested them, carrying my bowl of game meat to the girl I later knew as Queen Elizabeth II. I gathered in that corner. Hey, I gathered all the flame. and spit it neatly into the bowl and with my finger I spread it evenly <laughs> honestly I thought they would die a couple of months later as I was leaving treetops to make my way back to Kisumo I heard that they were going to be doing something called the coronation rally to celebrate Queen Elizabeth's ascent to the throne that was the first ever safari rally. I got home all those years ago and never left again until after independence. Even then, I was quick to get back home and I have lived here in Kendube, remembering that one sweet moment all these years. <laughs> <laughs>